Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. Okay, here we go, jumping in. So we are in the midst of this wonderful series, and I got to pull the fun straw, as I say, the fun straw of the litter of what we're talking about. I am bringing you a message on the discernment of spirits. So buckle up, buttercup, it's going to be a fun ride. I want to start in Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 13. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the evil, against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. When I talk about the spirit, the discernment of spirits, we are all thinking of a vast array of things. Everyone's getting a different mental picture right now. Some of you are thinking, I see dead people. Others of you, a little bit darker, are thinking of like the exorcist and holy water. Others of you, maybe a lighter tone, are thinking of the goosebump novels you read as a kid in the 90s. Okay, we all come from a different background and understanding of what it looks like to um, have the spirit realm, the supernatural, interact in the natural world that we live in, right? And so depending on your upbringing, your religious background, we all have different exposure to this. I grew up in a southern home. I was a good southern girl. I grew up in the 90s, like Jesus movement. So I, as a middle schooler, when my friends asked me what music I was listening to, I definitely had no secular albums. It was like DC Talk, Newsboys. I did a little stint with Christian Ska. Does anybody even know what that is? It's like skater music, I don't know. Um, I made up for it in my 20s. I got really heavy into like Nine Inch Nails, Stabbing Westward, Alice in Chains. So I did an abrupt right hand turn, (laughs) but that's okay. Um, God redeemed me. He still loves me. I remember this time of year at Halloween season, in elementary school and chorus, you start singing the songs about the cute ghosts and the witch's brew, and I would have to excuse myself from the classroom and go sit in the hallway as I sang those songs because mom and dad, you know, didn't want me in that environment. I remember begging my parents to let me go see The Little Mermaid because there was a sea witch in it, so... You know, but maybe for you, your upbringing was different. Casper and Harry Potter were your best childhood friends, and so you're very comfortable with the supernatural. And thanks to Hollywood, I feel like I have a bit of undoing of myths and mental pictures we have in our head. So before I jump into talking about the discernment of spirits as a gift, I want to just quickly lay a foundation about the supernatural. Just, again, foundation. Like, I am just scratching the itchy-bitchy, the itty-bitty surface of it all. But this is my own version of Hogwarts school for us all here this morning. Okay, so let's just lay a foundation, then we'll talk about the gift. Sound good? Great. Okay, first thing you need to know, the basic truth we're all going to align on is that we are all spiritual beings. 
right? And so we live in a physical world, but there is also the spirit realm. And this is not just a realm in which the ambiguous good and evil are at war behind some invisible curtain like in Lord of the Rings, but the good and evil, they have names and faces, right? They, they are beings. And so the Holy Spirit is not a cloud. He is not a mist. He's not an it. He is a he. He is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, the helper, as Jesus calls him. And he has been given to us as believers to help us walk out this life triumphantly as overcomers by the power of our supernatural God. John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus says that I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you, referencing when the day of Pentecost comes. And so it's important that we understand that we have been given the Holy Spirit. He is a being, a spiritual being. And so the evil force on the opposing side of the equation is not some black goop or some dark shadow, but it is the devil. It is the devil and his demons or his fallen angels, so poetically put, that have been cast out of heaven, subjected to earth, because they rebelled against God, okay? That is my very quick, condensed theology on that. But this is where we need to just be aligned. So demons are spiritual beings as well. They don't have bodies like us, but they are real individual beings who can inhabit and oppress the people. You can go through, all throughout, I'm throwing a lot of scripture here up front, just FYI, because I think it's important that's where we're pulling this from. <laughs> so Ephesians 2.2 refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air. John 12.31 refers to him as the ruler of the world. And as we read in Ephesians 6 about standing our ground, why? Because our struggle or our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers, the principalities, the authorities of the dark world. In John 14, 30, Jesus says, the prince of the world is coming, he has no hold over me. Which brings me to our next important foundation we need to know is that the battle has been won, right? Satan has been defeated, but we need to still understand how the devil intends to engage with us as non-believers and as believers, now for someone, for humanity who is apart from Christ, who has not put their faith in Jesus, they are still held in bondage by the prince of the world because of their sin. In 1 John 5, 19, it says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But as Jesus established, the devil has no hold on him because he was defeated, um, he defeated Satan at the cross. And so, you know, sometimes the Bible just really makes me chuckle. And so this picture, first service didn't find it humorous. I find it kind of humorous, the picture it paints. But Colossians 2.15, the message version, just for kicks and giggles, I'm going to give it to you. It says, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their shame authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. I mean, that's what Jesus did, everybody. That's good news. That's fun, right? Shame on them. So... <laughs> 
The reality of Satan's defeat, though, does not eliminate his activity and influence in the present age. And so that's where we need to understand how the enemy interacts with us because the optics of this battle that we are in is the fact that his goal, Satan's goal, is to divide us from our faith and to keep those who are yet uh, believers, yet in their faith, in their blindness, to keep the blindness of their heart from receiving Christ. And so his goal is to divide you from God. His goal is to divide you from his bride. And so when we think about how we're in this battle with Satan, what we need to understand is the battle has been won, but we're still in the fight, okay? We're still actively in this fight. And so we tend to find ourselves in two camps as believers when it comes to this fight with the devil. The first fight that we think we're in is that the devil is under every stone. He's in every nook and cranny. He's lurking around every single corner, just waiting to like pop out like the clown in the box, you know? Like, boom, I'm gonna get you. You know, and the, the thing that we have to remember is the devil isn't there just to aggravate you, to give you a bad day, like stub your toe. Like he is there to completely wreck and steal your faith from you, to steal your trust and connection to God. And so we need to keep in mind that um, we don't live in this posture that like the devil made me do it and, you know, the devil's in every you know, stubbed toe or car wreck that we find ourselves in. Because if we live in that mindset, then it abdicates us from responsibility and accountability for our own decisions and free will. (laughs) The other place camp we find ourselves in as believers is we find ourselves living a bit naively, thinking, well, I'm saved, I have Christ on the inside of me, so the devil can't touch me right? The devil can't touch me. And that just leaves us to be quite vulnerable and susceptible. Because what we need to understand is, yes, as a believer, you have been set free from living under that bondage and rule to Satan, but you are not immune to his schemes and to his tactics. Even Paul talked about how Satan kept or hindered his ministry from when he wanted to go somewhere. Um, and First Peter 5.8 tells us to be alert and sober-minded, that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So to be alert means we're, as a believer, we're aware that he is at work, that he's prowling around. But that doesn't mean we stick our heads in the sand thinking he can't touch us. You can't overcome evil by turning a blind eye. And then to be sober-minded means we're not Buffy the Vampire Slayer showing up to church every Sunday being like, you have a demon, you have a demon, you have a demon, over-spiritualizing everything that we encounter. We're sober-minded about it, okay? We're clear-headed about it. So yes, we have spiritual authority, but we still can be susceptible to demonic influence. So let me break this down for us. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. Nor give a place to the devil. That word also sometimes translations say, don't give a foothold to the devil. Now, when you break down the word that Paul is using there, it translates um, to mean inhabitable space. 
So if we read that, don't give an inhabitable space to the devil, kind of helps us understand what Paul is getting at. He's saying that even righteous anger, we must keep short accounts, don't let the sun go down, because if left unresolved, it will open us up to sin. And when we allow ourselves to be opened up to sin and have unrepentant sin or unforgiveness lingering around, it's like we've rolled up the welcome mat, we've unlocked the front door, we've propped it open, and now we've become this welcoming, inhabitable space for the enemy to come on in and use his powers of persuasion to fill our hearts with lies, deceive you with false teachings, and allow your choices and your thoughts now to be misdirected by his oppression, temptation, harassment, what have you. And so when we look at the influence of people being set free from demonic uh, spirits, the word that we tend to see is, it translates to mean being demonized, okay? Now I know things are getting heavy, it's gonna get lighter, I promise, just stick with me. There's just a lot of misinformation out there and I just wanna teach us so we understand how this realm works fundamentally, in a very quick way, the ABCs of it, so that we can understand how this gift operates, okay? So when we allow unrepentant sin or unforgiveness or we've come into idol worship or an agreement or communion with a false ungodly spirit, that is allowing ourselves to be susceptible to demonic oppression or influence in our lives. And so um, it's like Dr. Sam Storms, he gives us this analogy, it's like striking a match when we allow sin to sit there or unforgiveness sit there or open ourselves up to something like that, a cult worship or whatever. It's like striking a match. And that just allows the enemy to come in and he can fan it into flame, he can aggravate it, pour some gasoline on it, and before we know, it's becoming this all-consuming force in our life. But guess what? We have good news that we can close that door, shut that thing down by confession and repentance. And that's the gift that Jesus gave us on the cross. That's what I need you to know and where I want to land this ship of foundation for us is that Jesus has the final say. He has the authority. The battle's been won. We're still in the fight, but Jesus gave us the final say. We are seated with him in the heavenly places, okay? He's given us the power and authority to tread on serpents and the scorpions and all those bad, evil things out there too. And when we read in Luke 10, 17, we see where Jesus sent out the 72 disciples and they come back and they're like, Lord, even the demons are submitting to us in your name. So if you've put your faith in Christ today, you need to understand the power of the name that you hold. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee. So I just want to give us this foundation so that we understand the power, the authority, but also the reality of the battle that we are in as believers. Amen? So... As part of this body, as part of the body of Christ, we are all called to carry just an entry level of responsibility when we are part um, of God's uh, kingdom. And so that responsibility is what Ephesians 6 told us, to put on the full armor of God. That is something every single one of us should do. I, in my prayer time, 
I put it on. I talk it out loud. I say it like I'm a six-year-old in Sunday school because that's what the scripture tells me to do and it mentally and spiritually and emotionally prepares me to step outside my door and to do the day that I need to do and not lose any ground to the enemy. We're called to be sober, to be alert, to be aware. And so this is just basic fundamentals. We are all called to carry this as our responsibility. Um, We also are called to just have fundamental discernment, right? Scripture tells us to test the spirits. It tells us to test the spirits to see if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We're even told when you're given a prophetic gift to test the word that was given to you, what's good, what's not, what aligns with God. You have all been given a beautiful cognitive ability as a human with a brain on the inside of you where God wants you to use that ability to align it with the word of God. We have God's word and we can decide what is truth, what is false, where can we separate the light from the darkness. So we all have an element, like just a fundamental entry of responsibility to apply this discernment. Then there's the gift of the discernment of spirits, okay? We're going a layer deeper. So there's the spiritual gift of discernment um, of gift of spirits, and we see this listed in 1 Corinthians 12.10. And some translations refer to it as the distinguishing between spirits. Now I think that helps paint a really clear picture what this gift does and how it operates. So let me read to you Dr. Sam Storm's definition. He says this, he says, this is the ability to distinguish between what the Holy Spirit does and what another spirit, demonic or even human does, a supernaturally enabled sense or feeling concerning the nature and the source of the spirit. Okay, so this gift is allowing us to discern basically truth, error, and the demonic. Now, here's the thing. If we all think that this gift is just about sniffing out demons, then we're losing the main, like, bigger picture of the beauty and wonder of this gift. Okay, we are not all the dogs at LAX (laughs) that hold up the security lines that we all have to walk through and allow them to sniff us as we walk through. We're not like out here trying to sniff what demonic luggage we've brought in today to church. That's not the be-all, end-all. See, listen, uh, again, we're not all Buffy the Vampire Slayers. Like, uh, and I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I have seen deliverance happen in our church. I've seen it at different functions. I have seen and heard the demon, like, talk back to the preacher. I've seen them vomit on the altar. Like, I am here for it, okay? But this isn't the, if this is the main focus of the gift, then we're losing out on the full capacity of what it has to offer. This is a spiritual um, eyes, like a spiritual sense of knowing, is God moving? Is it just our human flesh at work? Or is it demonic? And so what I like to say is that this gift is like the ultimate mama bear protective father gift. Now we know all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to us to build up and edify the saints in his church. So this gift does that by protecting it, by preserving it. Like I said, we all come in, we're all part of the army, but this gift is like the soldiers in the watchtower. 
They have this elevated sense or view of kind of what's going on, what's happening behind the scenes. It's a gift that aids to defend and to preserve the purity of the believer and the sanctification of the body of Christ. What a beautiful gift. What a crucial gift for us to have these spiritual eyes at, at work that can distinguish when God is present, when maybe an, uh, understand a hidden motive in a person or turn uh, when something has turned out to be of an evil presence. So let me just break down these three spirits that we're kind of discerning between. Let's start with the fun one. I know it's the one that we're all wanting to know more about, which is... The demonic. So this can be someone is able to discern, like there's a demonic presence in the room and a location. Um, they might be able to distinguish, like, is this problem in someone's life related to a demonic presence, or is it just the circumstances and outcomes of a psychological or emotional issue, or is it a complex of both? And so I want to bring us to Acts 13, and here we find the story of um, Alamis and Paul. And Alamis is a magician, a sorcerer, okay? And he is trying to um, get a Roman uh, ruler to break down his faith, lead him away from his faith, okay? Which goes back to the optics, right? The foundation. The devil's goal is to divide us from our faith. So that's what this false prophet is doing. And so Paul walks up, and this is what happens. He, um, Acts 13, 9 through 10, it says, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of a devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Now, what I want to draw our attention to is first that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Key number one, and using the gift. Key number two, it says that he looked intently at him. Now, what did Paul see? I couldn't tell you. What did he hear in the spirit? I couldn't tell you. What did he feel in the spirit? I couldn't tell you. But what I know is that he felt some kind of spiritual perception, some internal knowing that there was something demonic at play. And he calls it out. And I love the line he uses. He says, will you not stop making crooked the straight path? See, in Isaiah 45, 2, it references the coming Messiah and how he'll make the crooked path straight. And he'll remove the obstacles so the mighty work of God can be done. And, and this is what this um, false prophet was doing. He was twisting and distorting and U-turning the believer, the Roman soldier, away from his faith. And we see that at work all throughout our city. We see the psychics and the, you know, mediators, or what are they called? Yes, mediums. <laughs> they're, they're out there and they're trying to distort, they're trying to make the crooked, the straight path crooked. And this gift of discernment, it's again that protective, preserving gift. It helps preserve the path to Jesus, keep people straight and, and their faith secure going towards him. I can, I can remember being in just New Zealand recently and I was waiting for my turn in the restroom and so I'm outside in a hallway at an eatery and I'm 
caught up in my phone as a good American would be. And I realized, like, I just got this weird feeling on the inside of me. And I was like, okay, it's not what I ate. It's not my jet lag. And I look up, and there's a psychic booth. And guess who just showed up for her shift? You know, I just was like, ooh, like, just aware of it. Anyone ever gotten those, like, feelings, you know? Where, yes, lots of shaking heads. You know what I'm talking about. I remember playing with the Ouija board when I was a young kid. And even though I was a spirit-filled as a young child, like, leaving that sleepover and just feeling off and heavy and dark and praying through that. I was the kid that would pray for salvation like seven nights in a row just to make sure I was really saved and going to heaven. But this is such a necessary gift because the devil's schemes and his, his tactics aren't always as obvious as psychic booths and Ouija boards. It's that quiet inner pride that keeps the door open. It's that quiet inner bitterness that keeps the door open and he will use that to come in and to direct our thoughts and to direct our thinking and our choices many times the demonic influence is wrapped up in the values of the world and it's feeding us these sound bites that sound good but just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's good for us and we need people with this gift that can say hey 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 hold on a second There's just a thin veneer of truth that is holding that lie together. Don't eat that. It's not good for you. And so we need to ensure that we have people that are helping us see that we're the devil, who is also called the angel of the parades around like an angel of the light. We need to ensure we're not falling for these false teachings and his schemes. So that's what it looks like to kind of discern that spirit. Let's talk about the human spirit. The human spirit is our intellect, our emotions, our fears, our passions, our creativity. And our free spirit, God bless it, has a free will, right? (laughs) It has a free will. And so we need to understand what 2 Corinthians 4.16 tells us, that though outwardly we are wasting away, thanks for the reminder, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we need to ensure that, yes, we put off our old self, we put on our new self, we renew our new self, but man, sometimes we are just led by the flesh, right? Sometimes we just set our mind on our own humanness versus setting our minds on the Holy Spirit, allowing ourselves to walk by the Spirit. And so this gift comes in and helps to discern where maybe we're moving out of human error instead of by the Spirit. I want to show you a quick example of that. In Acts 8, we have the story of Simon the magician, another magician, but this time um, where he had been performing powers and works um, and leading kind of the Samaria, people were like, oh, wow, this guy is, you know, of God, and he starts getting them all stirred up. Well, then Philip, the disciple, shows up, and he starts preaching the gospel, and he starts turning those people's hearts towards Jesus. They receive Jesus, and they're baptized, including Simon the magician. Isn't that good news? And it says that even Simon the magician hung out with Philip for a while, and then Peter and John get news that God's moving down there, and so they try down there and they start filling everyone with the Holy Spirit now Simon the magician sees this and he's like holy smackaroos I need that that would be good for my gig and so he asks Peter like can I buy this power that you're giving out and this is what 
uh, Peter's response to him is in this moment. He says in verse 21, you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see, there it is again, that spiritual perception, that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. See, he saw that he had a sinful ambition driving his motivation and wanting to purchase the Holy Spirit, and he was able to call it out. I mean, what a good thing to have as we step out trying to activate the gifts of the Spirit. This is a gift that can help be our training wheels to discern if you're stepping out and giving a prophetic word for the first time. You have that person there to help coach you, to maybe discern when you move from being Spirit-led to maybe filling in the gaps with our own humanness, right? Like, come on, let's just be real about it. This is who we are, and so again, and this gift helps preserve the purity of God moving. It helps us stay accountable. It helps gives us a covering to step out in faith and use the gifts that he's given us. Um, I was reading a story out of, um, I think the book was called Convergence. I was reading, and it, it shared a story of where um, a pastor had given a message, and someone with this gift came up, and in a very polite, honoring way, was just like, hey, are you angry about something? Because I was just discerning that this message was actually coming out of a place, like was rooted in a place of anger. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I think you're really onto something. So again, it's, it's not about sniffing out all the demons, although that's exciting and fun and love that. But it also just helps preserve the purity of what happens. Okay, let's, as we close here, let's land on what it looks like to be discerning of God, when God is present, when God is moving. Um, I love this because I like to say this is like we get to have these spiritual eyes of the mustard seeds of faith that are sitting on the inside of the people you get to come along with and call it out and help fan those things into flame. In Acts 14, we see the story of a man who is born lame, and he begins to hear Paul preaching the gospel, and Paul sees him. And it tells us in verse 9 that Paul, observing him intently, again, that spiritual perception, sees that he had faith to be healed and has him stand and walk. We see Peter and John do the same thing with the man outside the gate of the temple when they just had received the Holy Spirit. And it says that Peter looks at him and commands him to look at them. And I'm like, again, I don't know what was happening in that moment but I know that Peter saw faith on the inside of that man and called him to stand up and walk come on this is a powerful gift this is an essential gift to the body of Christ but also to those who are still a far way off to see God in them and to call it out that there are miracles that are dormant on the inside of us and we need people that can see with eyes to discern God on the inside of us it's such an important gift for us to have. I just want to make a closing remark here, and then we're going to open the altar in just a minute. I understand that when you start talking about the demonic realm and demons and all that fun stuff, a lot of ideas and pop into our heads. It tickles some ears and kind of stirs up some questions. And we live in a city where there's a lot of people who are very open to spiritual things and so I'm sure you have come across people in your world who would have said like yeah I have crazy 
dreams, like since I was a kid, and I'd have a dream that someone was gonna get a car wreck, and the next day, it would happen. Or I've always been really, really sensitive to the spirit realm, like I can just really sense people's energy and things. When it comes to this gift, the discernment of spirits, distinguishing of spirits, what we need to understand is every gift given to us is given from the Holy Spirit, which means when we are saved, we receive the Spirit, and that's when we receive the gifts. So if you have someone around you that is saying, oh yeah, I dabble in this, I dabble in that, and like legit testimony to it, but they're not a believer, then I need you to raise a red flag in your spirit. Okay, that's just me being a mama bear in this moment. And we need to bring clarification to when they received it and how they've been using it. And I would always recommend bringing in an elder of the church into that conversation if it's someone attached to this house. But as we operate in this gifting, I understand for some of us it can be hard for us to wrap our minds around it because it's so subjective. It's a feeling, it's a sense, and maybe your brain doesn't really work that way. You're more like a logical black and white individual, A plus B equals C kind of person. And so I just wanna say, like, if you feel like you do have that gift in this house, my ask is that you carry it with great humility and with a submitted heart, because it can be very destructive if we don't carry it with the right heart posture. And so it's important that we remember this gift is always to edify, it's always to build up, it's to protect and preserve, not to tear down, not to say, God told me, it's a, hey, I think maybe, is we apply it with gentleness. Now, when you're dealing with a demon, that's a different story, okay? But when you're dealing with the person, it's gentle. That's how we restore someone to health is with gentleness. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.